Yo, what's going on, everyone? Y'all already know it's another episode of Capturing the Game, the Game Within the Game podcast featuring me, your host, Desmond Jones, and my man, Juwan Stewart. Today, we got a special guest. He is the CEO of Her Hoop Stats. His name is Aaron Barzilai. Nicely done. That's Thanks. exactly right. <laughs> Let's, Let's get it. Let's get it. Yeah, I'm super impressed. Yeah, I mean, uh, as you can imagine with a name like Barzilai, there's not that many letters, but there are many uh, crazy pronunciations people have called me uh, over the years. I think the, the the one of the more surprising was, as I always remember, that uh, when I my freshman basketball team in high school, coach used to call me Barcelona. I was like, how do you Barcelona, wow. Yeah, right? I mean, like, that's a real wow. word, right? Like, you should know how to spell that one. So, <laughs> so what? Yeah, go ahead, Jaron. No, so what, like, this, you got Barcelona, then what What other names have last name, like, people try to put out there that may be yeah, close, most, but not, you know, not even. The common mispronunciation is probably Barzilia. Um, that's, that's what I thought it was, honestly. Yeah, that's yeah, what I honestly yeah. thought it was. Well, yeah, I think, you know, because the ending, uh, AI in the last two letters, my name, right? It's uncommon. People want to see that IA uh, for some reason, you know, like their mind just does. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel a little, you know, that makes me feel not so bad when I mispronounce uh in particular players names as well uh so um but yeah no it's it's definitely been hard and um you know it is uh you know i i i'm totally ha- i know people have mispronounced my name all the time if they've never heard me say it and even if they do uh hear me say it once or twice so i just say you can call me aaron and i'm not going to be offended <laughs> well look the fact that i can pronounce your last name i may have to call you by your last name now, <laughs> now i gotta be careful because i want to do it too much then i then you're gonna butcher it right <laughs> And then you go butcher it. I'm gonna butcher yeah. it, and I don't want to do that. So I made this. I made this stick to Aaron. Just for they, they used to call me Bars back in the day. So that's a that's an easy uh, Bars. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you say some Bars. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> my my wife's a teacher, and and their her students will call her that too. So. Mrs. Bars, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they give it Mrs. when they just call her Bars, but. That that's funny. Cool. Yeah. No, it's good. So oh man. Well, Aaron, man, go ahead and tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm uh <laughs> so again, my name is Aaron Barzilai, as you said. Uh yeah, I'm the founder and CEO of Her Hoop Stats. I've uh, you know, always loved basketball, always uh loved math. I actually went to uh I went to MIT undergrad and I was on the uh, men's basketball team there. We were not very good at all. Sheesh. Um, so <laughs> Uh, but you know, you can't help but get uh, decent at playing basketball if you're, you know, practicing two hours a day for, for four years. So, um, so yeah, right. So that was probably, um, you know, I don't remember being all that aware of the, the girls basketball team when I was in high school, but, um, certainly the, the, the women's basketball team at MIT, I remember. And, uh, um, actually now the, the most recent women's basketball coach left, MIT, interestingly, to become an assistant for the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, Sonia Raman. So it's part of the, um, it's exciting to see kind of more and more women uh, kind of making the way in the NBA in addition to, you know, all the growth that we're seeing on women's basketball in general. Um, so yeah, so I've always loved basketball, always loved math, you know, never really thought kind of working in sports was a, a career. I remember actually when I was in college, uh, and I'm much older than you guys. Uh, so back in the day, uh, I t- actually tore my ACL uh, in like, uh, essentially spring practice after the season, my, 
uh, I guess, junior year. And so my friends were like, oh, you should like totally declare for the draft so that when yeah. you're undrafted, your name will at least come up as like the players who declared early <laughs> but weren't selected. You know, you always get that list. I thought that was the closest I'd ever get to uh, to professional sports. So I, um, you know, so I, I went to grad school um, and, you know, spent a lot of time, you know, wasting time. Uh, um, trying to like, you know, this was back. I tried to like come up with a better formula for the BCS. Uh, I was at Stanford then. So, um, you know, the Stanford football team, I think was, was getting pretty good around then. And, uh, you know, it's always kind of been sort of, we were talking before, right. So I studied, uh, mechanical engineering and, uh, but I'm always saying I'm like the world's worst, uh, mechanical engineer with a degree from Stanford because my project was very interdisciplinary. So I spent like some time doing classic mechanical engineering, some time doing, uh, electrical engineering, and then also some programming as well. So that's really, really where I learned a lot of the skills that I'm applying today. Um, and so after um, I finished up, I decided I didn't want to uh, try and be a professor. And so I went into the uh, the working world and worked at a couple of companies. Eventually, um, I live in the Princeton uh, area now, Princeton, New Jersey, so that's central Jersey, which is kind of mm -hmm. nice because it's very um, small town where we are, but we're not that far from you know, suburbia, I guess you'd say around Princeton. So, you know, you got your targets and your Walmarts and <laughs> restaurants and all that stuff. Right. So we've got civilization, even though we're, we're kind of isolated where we are now. And then like, you can get on, you know, New Jersey transit and like take a train to Penn station or like an hour to Philly. So it's easy to like see a show or, or do something like that. Go to a, um, you know, go to a game or something like that. So, uh, so I moved up here, started working in uh, consulting, and around that time, I um, that was when I first really learned about basketball analytics uh, as a thing. I mean, I can definitely kind of still remember. I read uh, an article in the SI season preview. I think it must have been like 2005, 2004, 2005 season preview that um, Chris Ballard uh, had written, who's a, a great writer. I definitely would recommend him uh, to you, mm -hmm. list of you and your listeners. I see you guys nodding. And it was just about this like emerging thing of uh, basketball analytics. And I was like, huh, you know, like I never really played <laughs> baseball. You know, I knew baseball analytics was a thing, but I had never played like Little League or anything like that. Uh, so like I never really thought about it. But I was like, huh, I'm like maybe I have a chance to you know, actually be reasonable about this, right? Like, it doesn't sound insane, right? Like, I actually played in college and, you know, yeah. uh, you know, went to MIT and Stanford. So I thought, like, I had at least a chance of being, you know, about as good as the people who were doing it. And so I just kind of started it as a hobby. This was, like, back when there were message boards. You know, it was pre-Twitter and everything like that. I remember we sort of switched, switched over to Twitter. And uh, so, yeah, as so I started like, participating on the message boards, and I uh, um, actually, I built a website called, uh, it's still vaguely there, but uh, don't go check it out, called Basketball value.com that uh oh, i'm gonna take a minus. look no i think it's like totally down actually now because i haven't uh upgraded it uh it's on ancient technology but um <laughs> you know basically i was doing like plus minus data like sort of near real time i wrote a bunch of code to kind of parse the play by play you know go through the play by play and figure out who was in and who was out and where the subs were um especially back then a huge issue was just the quality of the data um and so like kind of every morning before i went to work once I finally had written all this code, um, I just kind of processed the games, clean them up and kind of update the site. And you could see um, kind of the plus minus. So this was before like it was on NBA.com, you know, and I was mm -hmm. obviously inspired by a couple of people that have been doing uh, adjusted plus minus data um, back in the day, Dan Rosenbaum, uh, Steve Alardi also did some, uh, mm -hmm. he and I wrote a couple of papers, papers together. And yeah, so I just kind of started doing it because I, because I loved it. Um, and it just kind of seemed like a really interesting uh, thing to me. 
And, you know, that was also, I don't know if you guys have heard of the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference, but it's a pretty big conference that brings a lot of kind of movers and shakers now um, to uh, to Boston every year. Uh, Daryl Morey uh, and Jessica Gelman uh, <laughs> are kind of the co-founders slash organizers of it and the Sloan School uh, of Business at MIT, actually. Um, tons and tons of students are now involved. But like the first year we did, it was in all my old classrooms. It was like maybe 100 people. Now it's like this gigantic thing in the convention center in Boston with like thousands and, you know, all kinds, you know, like Obama spoke at it uh, a couple of years ago. I don't, I don't know how much that of our uh, ticket fee went to that. But um, so you know, I just happened to get into <laughs> Over basketball half. analytics at the, at the right time. And, uh, you know, I just kind of, you know, slowly but surely, you know, I just made lots of connections and, you know, just kind of doing my thing. And, you know, I got a couple small little projects doing consulting uh, actually for the 76ers, then um, actually worked for the Memphis Grizzlies for about four years. I, I guess my title is probably analytics consultant. Um, I sort of did that while I was uh, kind of part-time with um, my old consulting firm. So that was really nice uh, in that, uh, because as I think, you know, like working in sports is a pretty tough business. So <laughs> it was nice to kind of have that kind of back up and not, not especially because the lockout happened <laughs> during that time. And so mm -hmm. like I wasn't in quite the precarious position a lot of other people were. And then after that, I went and uh, was the director of basketball analytics for the Philadelphia 76ers for about two, little more than two years. So I was there for uh, the Andrew Bynum year, as I call it. Uh, oh, Lord. The, yeah, oh. back in the day. Um, uh, so it, was also the, it was Doug Collins last year coaching, I guess last year ever uh, coaching in the NBA. And uh, then I was there for the very beginning of the process. Uh, Sam Hinkie was hired, um, you know, while I was there and I kind of lasted about a year uh, working with him. He brought in eventually his own people, you know, which is a classic story in sports, mm -hmm. right? Always lots of turnover. We're just saying, you know, it was in the news recently for the, the 76ers, in fact, uh, the other, over the weekend. And, mm -hmm. you, know, just, you know, now that Daryl Morey is actually the GM there rather than Houston. And so, you know, since then, I've been kind of doing lots of uh, consulting with like the legal office teams, agents. But interestingly, uh, a friend of mine who I'd worked with at the 76ers uh, a few years ago, um, Alex Varlin, at the time, he was the video coordinator for the Tennessee Lady Balls, uh, or he got a job as the, as the video coordinator there. And so he reached out to me. And he's like, hey, Aaron, like, you know, I'm used to having access to all kinds of information on the men's side. Uh, you know, is there anything you could recommend on the women's side? And like, I was vaguely, uh, you know, over time, especially as I was getting older, kind of, I was married, I had kids, you know, I, having kids, you get a little more focused. And so I was really just kind of all about NBA all the time, you know, because it sort of felt like on a Sunday, you know, I'm working in the NBA and there's a NFL game and an NBA game going on, like it's kind of clear which one you should watch. So uh, over time, my, my sports interests, I guess, have narrowed compared to, to my youth. But, um, you know, so I was vaguely aware that um, there had been some challenges with a, a stat site that was out there. And I, more importantly, I remembered that Sue Bird had written an article in the Players' Tribune, I want to say in like 2015, like sort of talking about kind of the last, as, as part of, um, you know, really just a lack of parity, just how there's a lack of parity of information uh, yeah. in women's basketball. And so like, I kind of looked around, I was like shocked that like, two years later, like no one had really worked on it. And there still wasn't anything I could really uh, recommend, especially when I, you know, walking around this conference, and there's like, you know, literally thousands of students trying to figure out a way to kind of break into sports. And yet no one had sort of taken up Superd's call to arms <laughs> with something that was like an obvious need. And it just felt like everything I had done up until that point kind of really prepared me 
uh, perfectly, you know, except for the fact that like, obviously I'm not a, I'm not a woman. I didn't play uh, women's basketball growing up. You know, I followed it pretty closely when I was at Stanford because that was like right after um, the, the, the program was still quite good. It was right after Tara Vanderveer actually uh, been the Olympic coach in 92. Um, so, you know, you couldn't help but follow it a little bit and that, so I, so I know, I know a bunch of names from like the late nineties and then it was like huge gap in my kind of understanding uh, about women's basketball history that I've been educating myself about. And then, you know, more recently I'm following it, uh, obviously very, very closely. So I said like, you know, since there's not anything I can recommend, like it just seems like I should, should, should build something, should, should try to do something. And so I thought a little bit about how I wanted to do it and, you know, whether, you know, it was a hobby or could eventually be, um, you know, really kind of a sustainable company and we're a long way from that, but, uh, you know, we're working hard and, um, and so kind of, I intentionally made the decision rather than try to, you know, just do work for the power schools, schools like Tennessee that can afford it and wanted to also make sure like, you know, middle Tennessee state or, you know, whatever small college you think of a uh, smaller school you think of would have access to the same information. And similarly, right, like UConn can afford it, but also I hope Quinnipiac or Hartford or something like that. And so that's right. Our kind of mission is really to unlock better insight about the women's game. We're trying to unlock it really for everybody. And so we started as a stats site in uh, 2000, really for the 2017-18 season. Uh, you know, it was quite, uh, quite, it's been quite an adventure. Uh, certainly not what I would have guessed when I first uh, embarked on this journey. I, you know, intentionally reached out and, and I had a couple of friends that were just kind of helping me out as they were kind of between projects themselves. I'd actually met a young woman that was a division three basketball player at Carleton. I met her at a conference and uh, she was kind of helping out a little bit, uh, you know, particularly around social media at that time. And so we really started out as just a stats site with a, with a social media presence. Follow us at, at her hoop stats. Uh, I need to get better at plugging it. <laughs> and uh, as a, and and you know, I was pleasantly surprised that people were, um, some people were kind of finding us. I feel like you know the very early adopters, you know, like ESPN was really interested in because they're just, um, you know, I like to say that it's not really. I'd like to think that it's about the quality of our work, but I think really it just spoke to the need in the market, right? I don't. I, I think that's that's why people were interested. And so I've been very fortunate Absolutely. to meet a lot of people in and around the game. And, um, you know, but it's not like we're, we have a ton of subscribers, um, yet we're kind of working on, working on that. And hopefully some of your listeners will, uh, subscribe to our stats site. Cause you know, we intentionally priced it at $20 a year so that everybody could get it. You know, as I was saying earlier, not just the, um, you know, the power schools or whatever. So the idea is that maybe the, the middle Tennessee state women's basketball community to use my earlier example would essentially be crowdfunding it. Right. So instead of asking the school for you know, a, a ridiculous sum of money that's way more than their budget, right? If people are all paying $20 and we all get this information, you know, and, um, you know, and then that sort of lets us, instead of having day jobs, um, you know, actually be able to focus on improving the site and doing even more interesting work. So it really should be win-win. So, um, but after that first year, it was clear that like, you know, it wasn't really going to be something I could focus on full-time. And so I, that's when I first put out a call for, uh, volunteers, uh, because I knew that it wasn't something I just wanted to be doing by myself, because A, I just lack the perspective, um, and B, I, I value having, um, you know, the different perspectives on our team. And so, amazingly, you know, tons of people kind of reached out over Twitter in response and said, hey, I'd love to help out. And that's really when we launched our our newsletter. And so we, uh, well, articles. And so we, we started doing writing and kind of covering the game as like a journalistic uh, platform 
as well and then um, expanded to a podcast. John Little uh, did our first podcast. Now we've got um, Gabe Ibrahim and Christy Winter Scott who calls games right for the mystics is uh, do podcasts typically on Wednesdays. And um, we also do this unplugged podcast and making Gower making Gower leads as well. And so we're, uh, and now we're experimenting in video too. So we're really trying to be a full fledged kind of niche uh, basketball platform. And, you know, as more people subscribe and that lets us kind of actually pay the people so that instead of being volunteers, you know, uh, they can, uh, or, you know, I always say, right, we're earning maybe 1%, 5% of what our, what our time is worth. But, you know, the more people kind of use our site and help fund us by subscribing to the SAT site, you know, the more, that people can spend more time on it. And then it's just kind of, you know, positive, like I said, a lot of positive feedback. So uh, as I said off air before we started, uh, I am a bit of a talker, but it's been a very kind of meandering uh, process. Definitely not something that I would have uh, mapped out like when I was a student, like, hey, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna start like a women's basketball stat site and um, geez, I guess <laughs> dating myself here, but uh, more than <laughs> 20 years after uh, I graduate uh, college, but, um, um, you know, but, it, but it's been a fun adventure and, um, you know, really kind of, you know, I think, you know, I, I like people. So it's really fun to be a part of a team. Um, you know, I like basketball. I like all levels of basketball. Um, and I like the numbers as well. Right. So I'm going to be, you know, our site is, you know, inevitably a little less about the culture, uh, as they say, than some others, right. Where, you know, we, we've kind of experimented with doing, uh, some interesting things. Right. But, um, you know, we're definitely not going to be covering, you know, sneaker culture quite as much as uh, some other places are. But, you know, we do a wide range of uh, content because we understand that, you know, there's so much more to basketball. You can't sort of work for a basketball team uh, without understanding there's so much more to basketball than just like the numbers. You can't manage basketball on a spreadsheet. And so that insight that we're trying to bring, you know, part of it's the numbers, part of it's the data. But, you know, it's also interviews, it's also kind of breaking down X's and O's, kind of understanding implications. You know, we just did an article a while ago, we did an article trying to estimate the value of a WNBA franchise, because those are never kind of reported in the same way, you know, when the Minnesota Timberwolves and Links uh, were just purchased by A-Rod and uh, Mark Lohr, right? Like that, mm -hmm. which reported that number immediately. Uh, but that, that kind of information never come, didn't come out when Mark Davis uh, bought the Aces uh, in Las Vegas. And so, you know, we're trying to cover things like that. Um, we just had a fun article about how we crossed the um, 1,000 mark for the number of WNBA players in history. I think we're up to 1,004 uh, right now. So it's kind of, that was a fun thing to do. So, you know, there's lots of... Uh, Lots of interesting things that we can work on and we're just trying to kind of play our part in the community it's been exciting in the four years or so that we've been doing this to see the community grow and some of the friends that you know we first met in uh, 2017 2018 um kind of move on to exciting you know growing their careers too so it's two things that i, I mean from like you said you you said you were a talker but which is good <laughs> which is good because I, I like that because then it makes yeah. my job easier at the end of the day. So <laughs> the first piece is you said you went to MIT. First off, like people don't really know, like a lot of people don't know what MIT, like truly, truly, like that's like the Mecca of for real engineering, like for yeah. anything, like for one, that's the, even get into there. That's a whole different thing. Like how was that experience for one, two, then the second part, just of, you know, you said you, you found it a need for, for uh, her hoop sport stats, geez, I messed up, I butchered it. But um, just how did you get to that point of just seeing that need and just saying, I'm going to go for that? 
Sure. So uh, in reverse order, right? How did I see it? It really was my friend Alex calling me up. I like, you know, just kind of had just wrapped up a, a sort of a media project. We were trying to do short digital videos yeah. on um, using storytelling in sports with with analytics was kind of the the tagline for that one. And so I was, you know, thinking about my next chapter, right? As uh, as they say, and. Um, uh, and then my friend Alex called me up with this question and I was like, you know, like I've got time now and, uh, you know, like I wish I could recommend something to you. I'm really surprised they can't recognize something to you. So like, why not me? You know, I'd already, you know, I'd had my whole NBA journey. And so, um, you know, I already had my uh, old NBA website. So I kind of a little bit felt like I'd done it. And, you know, the people at, like Basketball Reference and others, you know, do a great job. So I sort of felt like instead of making like the 2000s NBA site, why not make you know, basically the first kind of women's basketball stats site, not exactly, but, you know, kind of the, the first yeah. one to really be out there again recently. And uh, so that was really the genesis of it. Um, and then, in, and so like, I, you know, I definitely had to educate, as I said, educate myself, learn a lot about the game, uh, learn a lot about the issues people are facing. I mean, you know, it's definitely been uh, a great experience uh, to learn that and to hear the stories from, you know, the various people, both kind of in the game and also like the incredible number of people and the incredible people on our team we have a very kind of you know it's very interesting how we get people that are um you know sort of represent all the archetypes really of what um kind of women's basketball fans are right you know some people are older some are younger some are in school some are recently out of school um you know some love all women's sports and so um you know they're following women you know women's tennis and uh yeah um, soft, you know, NWSL and softball. Mm -hmm. Some people are all about basketball, uh, which is kind of where I fit in, right? I'm, you know, much more about watching kind of WNBA, women's basketball, college, NBA, and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, men's college basketball. And, you know, as they say, basketball never stops. So like that keeps me busy. I, I, can't, I can't add, uh, exactly. you know, much more to that uh, at this point in my life. Um, but yeah, we have a whole lot, you know, some people kind of really like the analytics and they don't know so much about basketball, but they think it's interesting to apply it to sports. So we got a, we got a nice uh, cross section uh, in a lot of different ways. Um, so yeah, so that's really the, the short version is my friend called me up and said, what could I recommend? And I said, nothing. And that's, so why not build something I could recommend is kind of my right. uh, idea. Uh, as far as MIT, um, it was it was a fun place. Yeah, no, it's interesting. A lot of people uh, have heard of it. Uh, so I'm glad you guys have. Certainly a lot of people haven't. Um, I actually remember a friend of mine um, from Virginia. She was on the women's basketball team uh, at MIT. And um, she was basically deciding between like Virginia Tech and MIT uh, at the time. And she had really like never heard of it. I think like her counselor must have uh, recommended it um, uh, to her. And she's like, what is that? I've never you know, totally uh, unaware and, you know, her friends had never heard of this crazy school and, you know, it's still weird, <laughs> right? Cause it's in Massachusetts, but you know, everyone calls it MIT. So it's not totally clear uh, where it is, but uh, MIT is definitely a love it or hate it uh, kind of place. Uh, you know, they talk about uh, drinking from the fire hose is kind of the classic yeah. phrase that people uh, use there, but uh, I loved it. It was good for me. Um, I'm an optimist by nature. So, um, you know, it's definitely eye opening, right? So many people there at school have been like you know valedictorian or near uh valedictorian at their um in high school and then suddenly you know it's like the proverbial kind of you know used to be a bigger fish in a small pond and now you're a small fish in a big pond so i mean like i have met some uh un unbelievably smart people uh undergrad um you know people that are kind of like working at google and 
you know, retiring at a, a ridiculously young age and, you know, done all kinds of crazy, you know, stuff maybe for the NSA or working in finance or um, <laughs> one, th one thing that's fascinating about it, right? I, I you know, we, uh, this is really true of all of my experiences, whether it was undergrad at MIT or when I was at Stanford and got my PhD there or working really in the NBA. It's like when you're hanging around with these people every day, like you see them and they're just kind of normal people, right? So everyone makes like the rocket science jokes or whatever like that. And it's like, you know, we used to always say like having, seen all of these people that were studying aeronautical astronautical uh, engineering when they were like sophomores in college and just yeah. crazy <laughs> soft college students the idea that these are the people that go on to work at like boeing and lockheed and like are the ones keeping me safe at thirty-five thousand feet or just like <laughs> it's craziness right so they're because they're yeah. just normal normal college students and uh <laughs> you know the same is true with phd it really kind of demystifies everything when i got my phd and then you know i've sort of you know, met a lot of people in the NBA, you know, Rod Thorne, um, if you know who he is, he probably, he looked right. Name sounds Robert. familiar. Yeah. He, he was the one who drafted Michael Jordan. He's, um, yeah. right. You know, okay. done a lot of consulting. He was, um, sort of like, I guess you would say GM emeritus when I was with the 76ers, but you know, just a total, um, legend in the game, you know, be just a nice guy, great storyteller, um, um, friendly. And so it's just kind of interesting to meet all these different people and see, um, you know, every cliche, right? They're just, you know, people just like you and I, that, you know, they're not infallible. It's kind of a reminder of how much, uh, you know, I think to make it in sports, when, when I talk to young students, I always say, you know, I think it takes three things. I think it takes um, talent, um, but there's a lot of people out there with talent. Um, I think it takes hard work, right? But, but most importantly, I think it really does take luck. You need to be in the right place at the right time. Um, mm. You need to kind of impress the right person. And, um, you know, and you might be in a good situation, you know, it's just like a, a draft for a sports league, right? Like you might end up yeah. with a, the first or the second pick. And then, you know, it just might be a year that that, that player is not great. And so even though you had a high pick, you know, you didn't get, uh, you know, the next Michael Jordan or whatever. Um, and so there's a lot of very talented people that kind of work in professional sports. Some work for a while in professional sports and then decide to move on. Some kind of get a bad break um, and then end up having a leave. But uh um, you know, I mean, people, you have to work really, really hard and be talented, but, but that luck definitely plays an important role in everything we do. Yeah. Um, I'm going to talk about the MIT tip. Cause like MIT, like, 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 <laughs> MIT. I talked about college as much in a while. I, I college student, I think. <laughs> like MIT was like like a dream school for me like you know that's like the top of the tier like, yeah. you know you, know, you want to go into engineering you look at that like as like the the plateau you know the the, the golden temple almost you know and so uh, I mean like I got big big respect for anyone that, that goes to MIT or even just people that in, enters the engineering field and let alone have a whole PhD in it, regardless if they use it or not on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, definitely the black sheep, right? And that is not sort of traditional, uh, traditionally using it like some people do. Um, you know, through my lab group. But I mean, I, I do think, right, for anything, um, mm -hmm. another thing that's really important, right, just the kind of learning how to learn, like that's another cliche they talk about in grad school, but like it really is true. Um, you know, you sort of figure out, you know, and, and it's amazing to think now about what you can learn online. Like the concept of online learning just didn't exist. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, I, yeah. I remember um, kind of the points when I've been between jobs, I felt like I could sort of go to grad school again for free, um, you know, as all this kind of uh, online learning Coursera and the like uh, launched, you know, as they were just starting to gain some traction. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like, I'm a big advocate of 
self-learning like yeah. yeah like currently I'm yeah I'm in school but I also do a lot of stuff learning on the side as a way to continue to advance myself develop myself and mm-hmm. just continue just add skill sets like you can't I feel as though you can't never have too many tools in your toolbox so that's the same thing same way I treat my skills I can't never had too many skills and in, in, in my skill set so uh one thing that um I'm actually working towards is learning how to do data analytics stuff and um and so that's why I'm, I look at you like as like a as a model like okay I I, I can Careful. see I, <laughs> I see I see how he's doing it you know and I look at her hoop stats you know and so one of the things I wanted to ask you about was like knowing that there really wasn't anything out there to start with what was some of the thought process that went into creating the stats for the women's sports for WNBA Sure. So, uh, you know, we actually started with college. I think a lot of people don't realize that women's college basketball is actually more popular than the WNBA right now. Absolutely. Um, But, you know, in contrast on the men's side, but uh, although I guess, you know, maybe not the final four and stuff, but broadly speaking, I think that's definitely the case. Um, And so, I mean, I think the number one thing for anything, right. And I sort of actually distinctly, you know, as I embarked on my basketball career kind of applied the same thought process it's, it's very similar to like when I got my PhD like the first thing you do is essentially a literature review um, and sort of survey what's out there right for anyone who's listening that's trying to start something new like the first question is like what's already out there maybe it's not new and uh, I mean certainly basketball analytics right it's the, the classic story about being built on the, the shoulders of giants or whatever and so um, like the number one thing um, that I focus on is just like parody, right? Basketball Reference does an amazing job uh, for the NBA. Uh, at the time, they had way, way less um, WNBA stuff. Stats.nba.com didn't exist. Um, and so like, you know, we weren't trying to reinvent new stats. Like the there's so much work, um, you know, that's been done in basketball that I think is really kind of important to uh, understand it. And so really it's all the sort of fundamentals kind of things, right? Like we didn't invent any new stats really, you know, there's, you know, basketball references a model, Ken Pomeroy, Ken Palm is a model, if you call that for men's uh, college basketball and sort of friendly, you know, having worked in the game for a while and friendly uh, with those guys. And so, um, you know, I just knew that like, hey, you know, you need the per game stats, um, you know, per minute stats are, are interesting to kind of control for uh, pace to some degree. And then, you know, a lot of people, they hear like basketball analytics and, you know, they think it's a bunch of mumbo jumbo and kind of craziness and, you know, why can't they? Um, you know, just play the game, the old way, you know, in the NBA, they talk about how uh, (laughs) three point shot ruins the game. And it's like, I mean, again, like I remember being in high school and I mean, I guess it was the early nineties. And like my friends and I, we would talk and everyone would say like, what's the worst shot in basketball? And it's like a three pointer with your foot on the line. Right. And so like the idea that taking a long two, you know, like an 18 footer in the NBA is a bad shot is kind of a new concept. Um, you know, it's just, it's just wrong. And, you know, it's been going on for a while, right? The person that really kind of first worked on per possession stats kind of not, you know, to control for the fact that like the, you know, super fast paced teams, right? People would talk about like Steve Nash and the Phoenix Sun, seven seconds or less, that kind of thing. And compare that to kind of late nineties, Knicks, slow it down sort of stuff. Um, You know, but like Dean Smith did that back in the day, right? Kind of looking at per Mm -hmm. possession. It's like, why don't we just do it in terms of how many times you run 
up and down the floor and like what percentage of the time you run up and down the floor do you actually score and you know how many points you average each time you kind of have a trip down the floor um and so like the math i always say like analytics is typically kind of the stats you're familiar with with like a with a smarter denominator you know it's like on base percentage it's like i got this crazy idea like let's not ignore walks like let's treat that basically like you one more at bat and one more hit <laughs> and you know it obviously goes from there and gone to the nth degree um but uh you know so many of the concepts are really uh pretty fundamental and pretty intuitive you can explain them well and uh you know i always said when i was working for teams and i still believe it today like i don't necessarily know you need to have the fanciest um models or whatever i mean there's power in having good information but like i think ultimately what's most important is that or you know especially working for teams that organizations really use it right like you could have the smartest people uh in basketball working uh, for your front office and coming up with like a great you know draft model or whatever right for um trying to understand the future performance uh of players you might draft but like if they're kind of stuck in the basement and the scouts have the, the kind of the strongest voice in the room then like it doesn't do your organization any good and so you know i really and particularly when, when i was with the memphis grizzlies and it was particularly early in the um analytics era you know i try to really focus on just kind of getting the whole team to understand like hey there's more than per game stats like we could look at per minute to kind of control for how much playing time someone's getting and then we can look at it per possession right and like you know someone like uh you know the classic example back then was like you know people talk about how you know kobe would have like you know 26 points on 27 shots i think actually oh i forget who it was in the nba WNBA league the other day had this but um you know the ridiculous uh kind of uh, ratio and so it's like well it looks good right that they've you know scored 26 points but it's like and they had 16 free throw attempts so that's actually basically eight other times they would have had a field goal attempt but they were fouled and so like those don't disappear right that's part of your your thing like right. let's count those two and so you know really i think so much of that is um uh you know how i look at the game and how i think lots of people can look at the game um and then the other really important thing is like you can't have too many crazy formulas and and messages to players in particular right like the typical model is you know a good analyst is generating lots of ideas you know maybe having lots of insights but they'll kind of understand what the most important ones are and maybe they'll bring two or three to a, a coaching staff or whatever and then the the coaching staff will say like okay that's great but like you know here's the one we're going to talk about today and that's what i'm going to write up on the board um pre-game and kind of make sure the team's uh focusing on so you know you really need to boil it down to simple messages so people can just kind of be playing in the flow and not overthinking it so how how uh how much did you watch the the ben simmons saga this season <laughs> you for know, the sixers I, I watched a bit. I mean, not over, over the whole season, I was more kind of monitoring it, I guess I would say. I mean, I'm definitely not watching every six or right. seven or anything like right. that. You know, especially it's so hard because, you know, there's, when you know, during the NBA season, there's also men's and women's college basketball. So right. you know, I was trying to mostly watch women's college basketball, kind of keep an eye on NBA and what's going on. So yeah, the Ben Simmons stuff is crazy. I mean, most importantly, it's like, you know, you see the videos that come out every summer, like they did just the other day, where he looks good in the gym and it's like, oh, what's going to happen? But yeah, that was just, I mean, I definitely watched that live when he passed up the dunk and you were just like, did a double take. Yeah. So and yeah. then I was yeah. pretty shocked, frankly, at um, the how the team talked about it you know joel Embiid and uh and uh, doc rivers talked about it at the uh press conference afterward that was that was the most surprising thing to me yeah so so i mean do you think like his numbers from a from the analytical standpoint do they suffice the the critique or should he be doing more 
I think so much of it is just the curse of expectations, right? Um, like mm. there was a moment there because Brandon Ingram, right? I think was the second pick that year. And so there was like a, yeah. a moment in the whole journey of that college season where people were sort of asking the question like, oh, should uh, should Brandon Ingram maybe be the, um, you know, the first pick this year after, you know, Ben Simmons had been kind of the anointed one for, you know, more, right. than, more than a year, really. Um, you know, and I think that was just people looking for content in, I don't know, February or something like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, then, like he didn't play much defense, right, in college. His college team wasn't very good. Um, but he, like, I mean, he's super talented. Like, he's definitely, I think, better than I expected coming into the league. But then, you know, the it sort of fits in with the self-learning thing. I mean, I, I, mean, mm. I don't really know him that well or anything. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. insight, but from the outside, like, you know, I mean, everyone talks about like shooting the free throws and, and uh, you know, shooting jumpers of some kind, and he just seems to be resistant to that. And so, you know, he's certainly not adding to his game the way like say Jason Kidd, if you, uh, your listeners mm-hmm. remember that, um, was able to add that three-pointer, uh, you know, the, the shooting. A little shot, He never right. could do that early mm-hmm. and he, he did that late. And, you know, Magic Johnson was famous for kind of adding something I thought uh, every off season. And so like, we haven't seen that kind of learning from him kind of translate to the, to the um you know to the floor during during the season during the playoffs and so um like i think he's good but i think that um you know and i do agree that like if you built the team around him you know in a different environment he might be able to kind of thrive with kind of more spacing and sort of the the mix of the two you know it's Mm -hmm. tough to make that work um you know and so it's interesting to think about what would happen if he was in more of an environment like Giannis's or um you know kind of more of a place like you know houston there's a lot of talk about that and what would happen if you really kind of surrounded him with shooting um but i mean i think the thing you got to remember right is like you know he's certainly one of the 20 best humans in the world at playing basketball i think right um yeah uh but he's not um you know top five and so i think you know there's this weird thing where like you know, if Brandon Ingram, you know, in this example, right, kind of gets to be as good as him, like everyone's gonna be all happy about it, right? And, uh, right. you know, if you would do like, you know, the top 100 list comes out of their side by side, somehow we're happy about Brandon Ingram because he's second. Uh, and we're not happy about Ben Simmons because he's first, right? And so people kind of don't remember that. And, and and it's just a reminder, right? You see it with, um, right, Terrence Mann, right? Whose uh, mom used to coach at, I wanna say Providence, certainly in Rhode Island. Um, and now she's an assistant with the, um, the dream. And so like, he was like the 41st pick. Right. But, um, yeah. you know, he kind of persevered and, you know, kind of was able to show what he could do in the playoffs. And, you know, the example that I think of is, uh, when I was with the Grizzlies, um, I think I must've come a year later than this, but, um, if you remember OJ Mayo, right. OJ, um, yeah. USC. Yeah. And so the Grizzlies traded OJ Mayo for, um, uh kevin love you know another example from around that time is like tyreek evans and so he like looked really good that first season um but then over time like didn't really um kind of progress and so like that's kind of what you gotta wonder with ben simmons you know but he's also still young it's obviously been a um crazy start to his career but like i mean i (laughs) When I was I, like my first week on the job with the Grizzlies, we traded for Zach Randolph. That kind of, you know, I had nothing to do with that. But I mean, Keep at the time, it was like, you know, I, I remember saying, like, hey, his numbers are great, but like, you know, there's a lot of concerns with him uh, off the court, obviously, the whole Jailblazers thing and, and that sort of stuff. And, <laughs> but, you know, like he was in the right environment. He matured a little bit. I mean, he's obviously right. 
Um, he, is he an Indianapolis guy? He's, he's from Indy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. From, yeah, he's yeah, from yeah. So, uh, yep. yeah he's, he's from Indy. Yes. You guys are, you know, from Indiana. Um, you know, and I think he's still had some issues. Right. But, um, you know, but I think he also matured. Right. And so right. it'll be really, I mean, who, I have no idea whether Ben Simmons will be traded or not, but, um, you know, definitely, you know, one thing you learn again, kind of working with teams is like the human element. I think we all just kind of view them as like fantasy, you know, fantasy players on our fantasy basketball teams. And so we don't <laughs> think about, um, those kinds of, you know, some of the mental health stuff has really been kind of coming up in the press and a lot of right. different contexts, but like, you know, it's hard, right. It's hard to be, you know, the Toronto Raptors and relocate to Tampa for a year. It's hard to be in the, in the bubble. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, you know, people have a sick parent, you know, Carl Anthony Towns, right. Unfortunately, his mom, uh, died mom passed. And, yeah. um, whatever that was. And so like people, you know, and I remember that, right. Like, um, you know, when I was in my very small world, right. Like it's hard to go play hoops after, you know, <laughs> you know, something negative has happened in your life, you know, it's kind of on your mind on the, you know, you're heading over to the court and stuff and kind of, you feel like you're not all there. So I can only imagine in a, environment um you know like the nba where it's like the, the cream 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 of the top crop and you know there's a reason that uh, you know all 450 nba players right all you know people like to uh, complain about the sort of you know 10th 10th person on a bench whether it's on the nba or the WNBA. it's like yeah, i mean right i mean the you know that means you're basically the 100th best woman in the world if you're the you know, <laughs> not getting any minutes in the WNBA, but you're consistently on thing and it's like you know people that call them horrible like i just think that's just totally crazy they're incredibly talented and if you ever if you ever played pickup with you know a man or a woman uh, that's playing professionally at any level uh it's just amazing yeah i most certainly agree with that i mean i'm a i'm a big simmons fan so um you know i just you know always hope the best for these players and the athletes going forward so yeah, I mean, what did you think? I, I thought it was interesting he didn't play for the Olympics, right? The Australians were not happy with him for that one. I mean, my thing is the I, I don't I don't see why he didn't play. I, I get it, it's mental. It's a mental thing. It's just as much mental as it is physical. But I'm like, it it can't be that hard for him to just shut down completely in the playoffs, like for his team. Like he had a layup on Trey Young, like Trey Young six two. You're six eleven, Ben. Just go up and dunk the ball. Like, I don't care if you get fouled. You may miss the free throw. That's fine. At least attempt to at least attempt to shot. Please don't pass it. I relate to it though, right? I was a point guard. I was not very good, and so I totally overpassed, right? Because I'm always uh, <laughs> passing up shots like that. So I can empathize with that. How about you, Desmond? What did you think? Man, that should have been a highlight reel. That should have been yeah. something that that yeah, should, have been. should have been on the top tier plays. Like we should right. be like, hey, he punched on Trey Young. That's what yeah, happened. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, and the 76 is moving on to the next round because of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird, right? It's definitely a weird time in the NBA. Similarly in the WNBA, it's like um, you know, there's three teams at the top of the W right now. And yeah, uh, you know, it just sort of feels like, you know, any of them could could move on um uh you know i personally think i'm at the moment pro seattle um i think that they're probably the best that's a juggernaut team yeah that's a tough team yeah but john Paul jones right it's been amazing this season asia has been uh this season boy stewie like the whole squad has been been doing good this whole season 
EDD's back, so uh, Deladon's back for uh, Washington. So mm-hmm. I'm fascinated to see how that plays out. You know, it's kind of rough to come back against uh, Seattle, right? Yesterday, um, so right. But uh, I mean, Tina Charles has just been out of control this year, and so it's going to be fascinating to see. Um, like I, I, I wasn't sure that she'd be able to sustain what she was doing at the beginning of the season through the whole first mm-hmm. you know, half plus, right? Whatever you would call that chunk before the Olympic break. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how it meshes with uh, Deladon and kind of having someone else there, um, you know, that's as, as talented or, you know, actually even probably more talented if she's fully healthy, uh, frankly, um, there. It's a good one-two punch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if Misa Min had come back, that would have been unbelievable. I was a huge fan of her during the Mystics uh, run. Finals MVP, Emma Misaman. So, But I guess, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I don't think anyone sort of said officially that she's not coming back or coming back, but it seems like the uh, writing's on the wall. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's a fun time, right? Because there's just a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of, um, you know, uncertainty NBA too, right? Which I think factored into the schedule announcement that we just got. And, you know, it's sort of unclear kind of who's going to happen there. And then, you know, it's a, uh, there's not one dominant team, um, but there's a few good ones. And so, uh, particularly the WNBA, I think it's really exciting that uh, that those three teams are at the top. Yeah, I'm excited about the WNBA just because when I know when it comes playoff time, it's going to be crunch time. And this all is going to be that conversation just taking to another step. Just because, like, you have the three teams, like you mentioned, but then you have, like, the next tier that can get into that top tier of those three teams, like whether it's, uh, Chicago, and I'm slipping my mind. Minnesota, the, uh, I think it was Minnesota. I'm skeptical. I don't, as much as I like Minnesota, I am skeptical. I think those three tier, three teams are tiered to themselves. It's just crazy that Minnesota's been able to keep that team without well, losing Maya Moore. Exactly. Like keeping that team still in contention. Even yeah. Do. Yeah. I'm like, that's, that just shows you just kind of how the, the, the supporting cast was just that great when she was playing. But then if she was to come back ever, I don't think she will at this point. I think she's probably done. But if she was, like, that team would be right back at where they would be at the beginning. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know. Cheryl, Cheryl Reeve has done, you know, great job coaching and a great job drafting, right? They got Collier. Exactly. Memphis, yeah. I think was the was she the sixth pick that year um, in Dangerfield, right? It was the rookie of the year. I think she was sixth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then was the rookie of the year last year. So, um, and Bowles is still amazing. Um, she played mm-hmm. really well. I remember in particular, I remember – at the beginning of the wobble um, last year before she got injured. And so, yeah, yeah, I still think that they can do, you know, they can do things. I think Chicago, I, I think I had them second in my like preseason power rankings or whatever. We all voted on the Her Hoop Stats team. And uh, yeah, I was, had really high hopes for them. Uh, and it hasn't quite happened yet. But the interesting thing, right, about the WNBA playoffs is like because of the structure, like someone could definitely, I mean, Connecticut kind of did last year, right? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I hop in and go quite far. So who is the top five right now? We're going to just put it, just who y'all top five teams? Who's my team? Yeah, who's your, who, yeah, who your top five? Um, you said Seattle. You had Seattle yeah, yeah, kind of one. I, I think that's what I said. So I, I was just voting on it today um, for us. Uh, yeah, so Seattle, I go. I would go Seattle, Vegas, Connecticut, but, you know, one thing, right, that I've learned from the analytics, like, just because I'm saying they're one, two, three, it doesn't mean there's a huge gap. I mean, I think right, any of right. those games, you know, the way I always think about it, like, what are the chances uh, that they would win if they played, like, a, a seven-game or an 11-game series mm-hmm. or whatever, or 100, yeah. they played 100 games tomorrow, um, <laughs> right? Like, I, I mean, I don't think it's going to, no one's going to win 60, right? Like, it's going right. to you know, 52, 48, someone. So, but I would give a slight edge to Seattle, then Vegas, number two, then Connecticut, number three, big gap. 
And then uh, right now, I think I have Minnesota four and Chicago five. Um, you know, Phoenix, I'm intrigued by. Um, it's actually interesting how few teams are over 500 because because <laughs> those three teams are so good. Um, yeah. It's not like there are six teams that are over 500 and six teams that are under um, last time I checked. Um, fact, I'll look that up to make sure I'm not giving you wrong information. But <laughs> um, uh, No, I, th- I think you're pretty right about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, I guess there's five now because Mercury are 13 and 10. So those are those five teams are the five teams that are over. Uh, oh, no, I guess the Mercury are. So I'm a little skeptical on the Mercury relative to the Sky. Partially that's because I think the Sky can come together. They got so much talent with Candace Parker and her um, homecoming. And then the other thing, right? So um, if you actually, and you can see this on our site with our kind of search functionality, um, if you take a look at, you know, not just the record, which I think a lot of people tend to focus on, but on margin of victory, um, you know, Phoenix is actually sixth in the league in margin of victory, even though they're 13 and 10. Um, the Sky, even though they're under 500, uh, are fourth in margin of victory. They're winning by, um, well, I guess they're fifth by points per game at 2.1 points per game, if you add up their scores. But uh, they're actually they're per 100 possession. So again, controlling for pace, they're, they're fourth just ahead of Minnesota. So, um, you know, those are really the teams that I'm the highest on. That's crazy. So you kind of mentioned something very important. So then one thing I want to ask you, when looking at stats for people that are new or, you know, trying to figure out what or how to handle these numbers when they look at them, what's the most important stat or what's like some of the basic stats that people should either appreciate or look into when they're looking at, um, at, at these numbers? Sure. So for a team, definitely, um, it's, you know, the score tells a story, right? So if you think about a one loss record, which is what we're all kind of used to and how many games back, right? It's a binary, either win or you lose. And it doesn't matter if you win it overtime or you win like a one point game at the buzzer, mm-hmm. um, uh, or you win by 30. Right. And so but there's information there, right? Like when Seattle beat Connecticut in the commissioner's cup game by, uh, it was like 20 plus, right. That's kind um, of bad. You know what I mean? Like, that's different than if that was a a toss up. And, you know, it's just one night, you know, it's not like they're going to beat them every time uh, by that score, which is why I said earlier, I think they're all kind of in the same tier, but that is information, right? And uh, so the number one, I think, thing to look at really, I think for teams is kind of their margin, you know, not just their record, but their cumulative margin of victory over the course of the season. And then again, not really per game, but looking at it on a a per possession basis. So, um, you know, you got a faster, so the, just looking at what the, um, WNBA, the Aces are the fastest team in the WNBA, and so they're they're going up and down the board. That's board-ish. crazy. Like, yeah, right. But they, they do eighty four um, uh, possessions per forty minutes for each team. So they're basically going up and down, kind of on average, uh, you know, more than a little faster than thirty seconds per possession. You know, in contrast to that, uh, the Connecticut Sun are only at like 78. So that means that uh, the, and I'm gonna not try to do this math, you know, the the aces are playing like seven and a half percent faster than the sun. So just like all things equal, you would think that, you know, they'd be scoring more points, you know, and giving up more points. And so people get like a little kind of caught up in those per game numbers, but if you can kind of adjust for that difference in pace, then, you know, I think that can be helpful. So that's really a nice kind of um, first level um, kind of advanced stat to look at. You know, again, it's like going from, you know, per game 
to per possession kind of stats is a, something I think I've said a few times. It's an important theme. So, okay, let me ask this. So I'm a big Russell Westbrook fan. <laughs> now, was the uh, – there was a lot of commentary that said that his, his uh, triple-double seasons were yeah. fluff. thought you were going to say – ask about that. So what do from analytical standpoint, were they fluff or was it like was it legit or was it just, you know, just not good is what people were trying to claim it to be? Well, I don't think anyone thought that they were not good again, right? Maybe he's only the third best player in the NBA instead of the first was kind of the worst anyone thought that season. Um, you know, I do think I'm a little uh, mixed on him, right? He does a lot of incredible things. He does. I mean, that's kind of the triple double season really is piling up accounting stats kind yeah. of uh, thing, right? And so, you know, if you really kind of dug into it, you know, there was the question about how much he's helping the team win. I mean, I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with him on the Lakers and, you know, whether he can yeah. kind of shift to the role. Because, you know, he's never been a great outside shooter. He was an incredible, right. incredible athlete, really kind of can impose his will on the game. And, you know, I really respect the way he carries himself. Um, you know, but, like, the, the rebounding thing was a particularly uh, noteworthy story, narrative, uh, really, that's yeah. And uh, I mean, it is true, right? I think like he was basically gobbling up all the rebounds and like Steven Adams was like more than happy to just kind of block out and let him get it. And so, you know, the, the, that's why like counting stats aren't really, you know, the end all be all in my mind, right? Efficiency is important. And then what's interesting is whether it's additive or not, right? Like if you think about it, um, every defensive rebound you get, like if you don't get it, there's like a pretty decent chance your teammate will, right? Like, you know, how many yeah. times, right? Is a bounce between two teammates and just one of you picks it up or whatever, right? We can all picture that. Whereas, um, you know, for an offensive rebound, if you don't manage to secure the offensive rebound, then really no one's going to get it typically. And so as a result, like an offensive rebound really is more valuable than a defensive rebound. And so he was getting a lot of defensive rebounding stats and it didn't really, what really counts is, how he's impacting the team defensive rebounding stats or team offensive rebounding stats. And so, you know, the reality was, I don't think he was dramatically increasing the team's uh, defensive rebound. He just was the one who happened to, to get them all, yeah. right. It's sort of like someone that scores a ton by taking all the shots. It's like, right. you know, maybe we'd be better off if one or two of them, you, you passed up, you could get a kind of optimize it um, uh, by getting some good looks for some other players. So, uh, yeah, I probably, yeah, I'm not sure that, uh, that I would have <laughs> voted for him for MVP. I don't think I would have voted for him for MVP that season. So, right. I mean, people always said, like, you know, if we'd been born with eight fingers instead of 10, like, you know, we wouldn't be as obsessed about triple doubles because, uh, <laughs> you know, we wouldn't count in base 10 or whatever. Well, okay. I, 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 I let it be. You let it. You let it be. I let it be. I let it be. I let it be. Let it be. You, you, uh, you would have voted for him. Uh, I'm trying to think. Who I think James Harden was the other guy that was. Um, yeah. Would have been. Kawhi, I think, was like the dark horse. Yeah, I probably still would have voted for. Or else, probably would have got my first, just because of just because of the season that he had and what he did with the team that. I mean, okay. See, if you take him off, that that yeah. team wasn't winning many games, but. Yeah. That's why I would give it to him, just because of that alone. But I was mean, it, was this the year? I'm trying to think back. Was this the year that after KD left him, that very next final year, he had no other yeah. stars, just him and Stephen? Well, Adams. he had Oladipo because because what would have happened? It would have been KD, 
Oladipo and Russ. That's what everybody was kind of waiting on. But then KD pulled that, I'm going to the Warriors joint. And then that just blew all that up. So that team was a, was perfectly symboled for that. But, you know, I I, yeah, I, I don't know. You know. Straight. Although I will say, if that was the year that Harden uh, came up with the eye roll meme, then I think that would have definitely tipped the scales in this paper. <laughs> <laughs> classic <laughs> yeah yeah oh man i, I think that's what sure. th- i think that's one thing we have to add to the podcast later is uh what's your favorite gift <laughs> uh, oh yeah that's a good one. well i do probably we should probably get to that now because i do need to uh wrap up i apologize as, as i said i'm a talker i could go forever your listeners have probably already stopped listening i'm sure uh, but, nah. <laughs> Nah, nah. Look, nah, yeah. it, it's been educational for us. But yeah, so let's go ahead and get into the rapid fire. So this is the game within the game segment, which we call our rapid fire. So my question for you, Aaron, is: Are you ready to play? Uh, I am. I'm a little worried about it uh, since you haven't prepped me, but uh, we'll see how I do. <laughs> I think you'd be fine. So, are there right answers or not? Nah, good. It's all it's all, it's all opinionated. So, <laughs> and well, then, that's what he tells you. But I might <laughs> say there's a right answer. Well, yeah, actually, funny. Me. Funny stories. Are, so another side thing behind the rapid fire stuff is because I wanted to do an analysis <laughs> on it. So it's my way of gathering data and doing yeah. like an analysis project behind it. So the game within the game within the game. Yeah. See. Inception. Exactly. Chocolate <laughs> <laughs> uh, chip cookies or oatmeal raisin? Cho- chocolate chip. No question. Got another one. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's two in a row for him. Yeah. Uh so TV shows or movies? Oh, we've been watching TV in the pandemic. We've been binging. Introduced my kids to uh Scrubs. They uh might ah. be a little young for that and the community. Yeah. We just wrapped up uh that one, which I didn't think I was gonna like, uh, but we were looking for something and it was great. Highly recommend. Hmm. Do you know Donald Glover's in that? I didn't realize that until I started watching. Yep. Yeah. It's one of the hidden gems of his career. Absolutely. <laughs> um, your favorite sports moment that you've either seen or witnessed? Oh, you know, there have been some interesting ones. Uh, I remember when I was with the Sixers, I saw, I think it must have been the opener. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure Michael Carter Williams had a triple double. I might be confusing this. And in his Oof. like first game as a rookie. And, uh, I'm not sure if it was that game or if it was another one. I believe Spencer Hawes had like an impressive block on LeBron. <laughs> Those are two basketball highlights when I was <laughs> in the Sixers. But there's no question that, um, you know, the very first year I started um, her hoop stats, you know, I've been, we've been credentialed for all the final fours. And so it was the Columbus final four with Enrique um, when she went off. Uh, so, like I'd never yeah. been to a final four men's or women in my life. And uh, for that to happen, it was just like, uh, even the other game. Uh, that the Notre Dame wasn't involved in uh, was uh, was amazing as well. So I figure it's all downhill from there. Yeah, that's that's one of definitely one of the ones that's been mentioned a lot on our podcast is that particular game, that particular yeah. moment. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, again, I was like new to you know relatively new to win basketball, first Final Four. So we were sitting in like the upper, upper, upper um press box the hockey press box right they call it yeah you know, that's a soup it's like above all the, all this the stands um so it was, it was really high up but it was uh just unbelievable uh to be in the building for that sheesh yeah because she does yeah yeah that was definitely a, a mean two two shots like that actually so. oh, yeah i mean to do it twice is crazy so uh okay the, to stay in that lane who's your top five WNBA players right now. 
right now. Well, I feel then that I should probably uh, do it by, by the numbers. I mean, as far, I mean, I, I do think that uh, Brianna Stewart's the, the number one player. She's definitely the, um, you know, I, I think everybody else is super talented, but, um, you know, all the other people that I'm going to list, but I just still put her head and shoulder, well, not head and shoulders, but <laughs> part, of, part of her ponytail. Uh, part of her ponytail. <laughs> uh, um, uh, above everybody else. I mean, this year, right? I mean, some of the other, we mentioned, I mean, we've mentioned most of them, right? Tina Charles, uh, John Quell Jones, Asia mm-hmm. Wilson. Um, trying to think, I got to think more to think about here. So I'm scanning my website here to uh, <laughs> uh, think about who else I would have there. Who am I forgetting? Um Oh yeah, Griner Griner's also been um great this season. And it was, you know, exciting to see her in the Olympics. Uh so I think I would have to put uh put them at the top. Okay. Oh, you, disagree? you got anyone else? Well, uh, how how does that uh, compare to your other votes you've gotten? Oh. Did I miss anyone? I can't put Della down yet. She's you know, it's been too long. Gotta to see her play all day. I, I think I think that's side of the list. Yeah, I think that's about normal from what we've seen. Yeah. Somebody yeah. threw Candace in there because of just paying homage type of thing. But, you know. She's been hurt. Uh, so. Yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, that was, I think that was about the, the, the normal that we've seen. Got it. Yeah. No, I think something like, my, we were talking about Maya Moore earlier, <laughs> like all the championships he's won. Um, one of our guys, Richard Cohen on our team pointed out, I don't think that Stewart has lost a championship that she at a season she's played since like I want to say 2017 maybe, mm. right? Because they won in 2018. They won a rookie year. Europe and stuff this whole time too, right? Yeah. Uh, and then you know they won the Olympics. They uh, you know she was out the year that uh, the Mystics won. So um, like and they, she hasn't finished a season holds ho- hoisting a trophy in a yeah. ridiculous amount of time. Yeah, I know Stewie's career and Maya's career as far Are you as on par. Yeah, they're it's yeah. it's crazy. So and they're both insane. They both come from UConn too. That's that uh, you know, hey man. <laughs> Gino did something there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool. Uh on the flip side, what's the top five in the NBA? Oh, um geez, I, I haven't been thinking about that as much. So I mean I still think you got to take LeBron. Uh, I mean, I thought that the voting was reasonable for MVP. I guess I'm going to cheat and uh, look at the NBA uh, MVP voting here as we're talking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought Jokic, Jokic deserved it. Um, you know, and Embiid, I think, uh, you know, he just didn't quite play enough. Where are we here? So um, I'm trying to stall, doing a bad job. Um, Giannis, I mean, I guess I, uh, huge fan of Giannis shout, uh, shout out to Mirren Fader for her Giannis book. I hope people listening are going to read the new book that, uh, just came out that she wrote, uh, incredibly well-timed. Um, and so I still put him, um, you know, in the top group as well. Um, and then I guess you have to put Doncic, uh, Doncic in there, Luca. Um, so, you know, I can't put Chris Paul as much as I like Chris Paul, um, you know, I'm not ready to put him in the top five. You know, I see Curry nah. finished third um, in MVP voting. Um, I'm excited to see what they're going to do this season. But, um, but yeah, so it's kind of a non-committal 
uh, <laughs> word salad there, but <laughs> you know, so no, no one's super shocking. I'm not like, uh, um, you know, I don't have a pet player. I will say that uh, Lillard, a uh, huge fan of actually, um, was, you know, one of our first kind of viral moments for her hoop stats. I was at NBA Summer League in 2000, it must have been 2019, and then there was an Aces game. Uh, so I went and covered that as well. And it was like crazy how little uh, media was there, uh, particularly for practice. But um, uh, Lillard came to the game. And so I like interviewed him. You know, I got like a 30 second clip or something uh, asking him just kind of his thoughts on the WNBA and stuff. He's like, man, I forget the exact quote, but basically saying like, the, you know, those ladies deserve to get paid. And so it went like totally viral. Um, mm-hmm. And like they showed it on like ESPN and stuff as well. So that was a fun little moment. So he's someone that uh, I uh, am fond of for for that interaction and just for his support of women's basketball game dollar yep. yeah Dame. absolutely yeah dame's that dude that um wait what was that state farm ad what does he uh say in that one you know the one i'm talking about oh what is it i don't you know i have to figure it out later because i can't think all, of it right now when they're in the state farm commercial yeah i thought it was oh. state farm commercial Oh yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah, I thought you. I know he got. I know he got the Hulu one, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I do remember the Hulu one. Yeah. He's got a oh, maybe he just says dropping dives, dropping dimes. I think that's what it is. Bro, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yep, yeah, I remember now. Yeah, isn't yeah, that yeah. that? I thought that aired for like the Super Bowl or something like that. It was almost. like a two. Yeah, it's 2016. <laughs> yeah, he's with Kevin Love. Um, yeah, I feel like I've said that once or twice talking trash on the court before. <laughs> throw, throw the pass run back <laughs> oh that's, my goodness that's funny uh, real quick so if you get a chance to take over any organization who do you choose uh, in the NBA the WNBA it could be any, any, any anything yep. you can go Apple you can go Microsoft anything uh, it don't matter. you get the keys you can do whatever you want the United States government uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of, I guess I got to think about whether you want that responsibility. Um, I got to say, like, I'm pretty happy. Uh, I will say I really do enjoy kind of managing her hoop stats. So, I'm, you know, it's kind of cheesy for me to say this, but uh, like, I'm actually quite content with it. It's, it's, it's fun to, you know, I do a lot of different things, wear a lot of different hats. So, uh, and so that's very kind of, uh, you know, it's both rewarding, as I said, to kind of talk to our team and interact with people and kind of see them on their growth and kind of try and set them up to succeed you know i do a lot of i do the code you know most of the coding um so you know it's kind of thinking about how to get uh, the word out and get more people to subscribe so we can really be sustainable and, and pay our people so there's like business challenges um you know there's there's uh, predictive analytics kind of we have our her hoop stats rating where we're kind of predicting the performance of teams so we can like simulate you know the ncaa tournament or the working on one for the WNBA playoffs right now um and so like uh, it's kind of lame of me to say that but like i'm pretty happy with that and you know it's uh, a lot less risk than being president of the united states that's for sure i get that oh i i got a this is a like a this is a nerd out question this is okay so what's your favorite programming language uh, i use python um in the data analytics yeah yeah all right uh, am I, am I the first person to uh, to answer that question? Well, see, we don't. Yeah, you're the first person to ask. Well, well yeah, because huh? yeah, yeah, we just don't get too many people out here that can, we can <laughs> yeah. kind of geek out with. So yeah, I, that's fun. No, I am. Uh, you know, there's it's something of a holy war, right, between Python and R. 
Um, yeah. I think that uh, that's unfortunate. It's sort of like the people that are all about Macs versus PCs. I mean, like they're both, yeah. they both, they both do stuff. I don't, you know, they both run spreadsheets. They both let you, you know, use Google Docs or whatever, right. check your email. I, so uh, the people that get are all about that, I'm not that fired up about. I mean, for me, um, I sort of learn, you know, I when I think about um, data science and stuff, I, th- I always think of it as there's kind of like two kind of ways people came at it because it's kind of this weird field that's not you know traditional in the way like physics or or math is or something like that and so if you kind of came at it from the statistician world then you're all about using r um and you know if you a lot of programmers come at it come at it from um you know the python side and so that's like kind of how i think and therefore python is just a lot more intuitive to me i mean it's almost like r it's like a foreign language i use i've used it a bit and occasionally dabble in it it's great for visualizing data um mm-hmm. so but um and that, that's one place i wish python was better but um you know for me it's like if i'm doing stuff in r i'm very often like thinking about how i would do it in python and then translating it you know i mean it's sort of like if you're right. speaking a foreign language you still have the thought in your head in, in english and then translate it um so so that's just kind of it for me like we've with our whole website here's one for you right our whole website stack uh, you know, we're on Amazon, uh, AWS hosted, and we're using Python and MySQL. Um, we use Django for, for the website and Bootstrap. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's a pretty, you know, yeah. people that use like Java. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, at one point we were using React. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, so that's kind of what I tend to do most. I, I like it because I can use it for front end and back end. Um, you know, there's a great community. So, you know, it's easy to Google stuff on Stack Overflow and find exactly. your, uh, your, your solutions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, Andreas Mueller and the guys that do the scikit-learn library for uh, data science for um, Python are, are is great, great resource uh, for, you know, if anyone's interested in that. And so, you know, I've, you know, some people get, are all about it and kind of ask lots of questions, but um, uh, about why you use one or the other. But I mean, I think either is fine. And I just kind of encourage people to do uh, what they can, uh, what they feel most comfortable with. But for me, it's Python. Yep. Um, I'm good. <laughs> Look, I'm good. You good? I'm good. <laughs> Look, I will, I will bore our audience because we can we can always geek out all the time. So I will, <laughs> I will bore our audience with that. But I love, of course, a little talk about like, you know, programming and just engineering as, as a facet. So we could we can continue that. You know what is a fun thing that you guys might check out then is a guy named Nick Wan. And uh, he this year he did this like competitive data science competition that they streamed on Twitch called Sliced, you know, like slicing the data. Yeah. Um, And they would sort of give people these data sets of like two hours basically to kind of come up with the best prediction. But then they also, it was like a game, it was like a reality, like a game show, right? Like instead of the British baking show. It's like, you know, the British data science show. Uh, and so they just wrapped up this this past uh, season. Uh, I think it must have been last week. Um, but, uh, but you know, if you're into that kind of thing, it's pretty cool. You're watching like live code. It's amazing. You know, it's just sort of like the online learning stuff we were talking about. Like, it's just amazing what yeah. people do, right? Some people, my kids, you know, are watching people doing, uh, you know, playing video games on Twitch and on YouTube. And, you know, you right. can watch people. I, I didn't realize how many other people are kind of doing like live coding sessions. Um, but but it's definitely a thing. So there's lots of stuff out there. Yeah, I'm on I'm on Twitch as well. So one of the things I'm actually those one of my goals for 2021 was to do a uh, coding segment. So outside of just playing video games and hang out with people, I try to I'm trying to bring in more so some of the coding aspect to Twitch. So fun fact. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, no, so I would encourage you guys. You guys might enjoy it. I mean, you know, they've got all the old episodes on YouTube. I definitely have to check Sliced. it out. Take, yeah. yeah, that's my. Uh, 
gratuitous promo of something I uh, am just a fan of, right? Have no. Uh, <laughs> okay. Aaron, man, where can people follow you at and um, keep up with your career and everything that you got going on? Sure. I mean, I think the best thing to do is to follow us. We're uh, on Twitter, right? We're at Her Hoop Stats, H E R H O O P S T A T S. Uh, and that's kind of going to be the gateway to everything, right? We're tweeting on our articles, we're tweeting on links to our stats site. You know, if you do want to financially support us, which I'd really appreciate it, again, it's just $20 a year. So the idea is that it should be affordable for, you know, 99.9% of uh, the women's basketball community. Um, and that's at herhoopstats.com. But, you know, we're also, we've got a podcast with lots of great guests, um, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, that we, we run a few times a week. And, um, you know, we also... Uh, have video content as well. So between the newsletter, the stats site, uh, and everything, like we're promoting all that on Twitter. So Twitter is probably the easiest way to go. So again, at Her Hoop Stats. You heard it, folks. Ladies and gentlemen, go ahead, check out Her Hoop Stats. Go ahead, subscribe, pay that $20 annually. It's not much change to do that. You guys pay monthly for Netflix and Disney. So I'm <laughs> sure you could go ahead and you now, why know, you gotta bring up all those? You ain't gotta do all that. You ain't gotta bring all them up. You ain't gotta uh, bring hey, them up. hey, people, people do that, so I, you know it's gotta let people know. You know, so <laughs> once he come on to the podcast, you become family at this point in time. So we gotta support our own. So, uh, but on top of following her hoop stats, make sure you follow Capture the Game. That's uh on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, on uh, any of your social media platforms. We're on everything. So if you want to find us on Instagram, it's capturing underscore the underscore game underscore pod. Um, on Twitter, it's CTG underscore um, CTG underscore podcast. On Facebook, it's just capturing the game podcast. And also on YouTube, go ahead and like and subscribe. It is capturing the game podcast. Um, again, you can also find us on any uh on all your podcasts uh favorite podcast platform whether it be google Podcasts, apple Podcasts, whatever you um you use to get your find and listen you can always uh, find it on there and like and subscribe and please rate us as well um once again thank you aaron for hopping in and joining us on this late this late evening and uh Thank you for talking stats. Thank you for talking nerding out with us. It's not often we get to be nerds in our own natural realm, but we really appreciate that. That's my pleasure. It's been a ton of fun. So, uh, you know, we could, uh, I appreciate it. It's been, uh, appreciate you doing this at the late hour. And, you know, I could talk, as I said, uh, I, I'm sure we could chop it up for much longer, but uh, it's probably a good place to uh, call it for today. So thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. And, um, you know, uh, yeah, keep up what you're doing. Will do. Thank you so much. Thank you.